0: the value of understanding how you think and how you hear things and communicate and understanding that not everybody does it the same way. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation, and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players directly from the leaders themselves. This is oil and gas industry leaders podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host,
1: Paige Wilson.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by AWS Energy. Before I introduce this week's guest, I want to ask, as I ask every week, please leave me a review on iTunes. You'll get a shout out, and I just appreciate the feedback. All right. I'm sitting here this afternoon with my guest, David Hicks, Senior Vice President of Upstream Energy and partner at IHS Market. How are you doing this afternoon, David?
0: I'm doing great, Paige. How are you?
2: Pretty good. Just Saying inside because it's it's hotter than sun outside.
0: <laughs> good, good for a couple of reasons.
2: Right, right. David, let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry.
0: Sure. Well, I was always pretty interested in rocks and geology. I can remember going as far back as fifth or sixth grade and being introduced to trying to differentiate between different rocks in elementary school. And I also remember having one of the earliest rock computers, little did I realize, but this is was a, a device where it had a bunch of sort of the equivalent to punch cards and you would move these slider bars on the front of it to measure certain properties, hardness, things like that. And then the, the cards would fall through only dropping down a couple and you would identify your minerals, your rocks that way. So I'm not sure why, but it it had a a real impact on me. So when I went off to school, I was fortunate to go to school in Colorado and geology was a natural topic to study. So I fell into that space and it was a great opportunity to go around the West and, and look at a lot of different geologic formations and study things and went on to grad school. And then the whole concept of going into oil and gas really appealed to me. I thought it was a great scientific challenge, this idea that you would have to create a picture of the Earth 10,000 feet below the surface and and figure out whether if you drilled a, a relatively tiny pinhole down there that you could actually find and produce this energy source that was driving the world. So I was always pretty interested in that concept. So after grad school, I went and joined Exxon at the time. Uh-huh. Exxon Mobil and spent a number of years there working as an exploration geologist. And then for me, and I've told this story before to some that it was an incredible transition because when I when I started with Exxon, of course, I was ushered into an office with a drafting table and some Mylar sheets and a base map and handed a, a box of colored pencils and fundamentally, you know, asked to go and, and find prospects and, and look for hydrocarbons. And, you know, about this time, so this would have been mid-late 80s, of course, the advent of these crazy things we call workstations and computers were really taking off. And, you know, I was part of this early transition really from the drafting table onto a computer screen where you were doing the same kind of interpretations and mapping. And I still use that story because although, sadly, I am getting older, I'm afraid. that's, you know, it was just in my career that, you know, we've made this transition from a drafting table and, you know, colored pencils and drawing contours by hand to, you know, the amazing technology, of course, we've got today and all the things, you know, we we take for granted. And now we're in the midst of this digital transformation. So quite a, a change. And for me, I was quite enamored with technology even when I was at Exxon so I got very interested in this transition and what was what was capable to be done on a computer or workstation you know it was unix at the time and so I found myself and and I moved on and I worked for a, a number of different software companies that were all doing oil and gas work and it was fascinating because certainly initially until I became very rusty you know my role was sort of translating the idea of making a cross section or building a structure map or interpreting seismic and trying to help software engineers at the time you know convert and and create that same workflow you know on a computer so again sounds funny to say it now because we take it all for granted but it was quite a quite a fascinating challenge and then not to be too long-winded about this but I've spent a good chunk of my career Developing software and technologies around the energy space. I also spent a good period of time working for TGS, one of the one of the major geophysical companies. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of building, going out and doing project development and creating surveys offshore around the world. I had the opportunity through that job and a few others to to travel to many many places around the globe meet a lot of different people. So that's been really fascinating. And then for this last period of my career, I've been at IHS Market. It was IHS when I came. We merged a few years ago with a company called Market out of London. That's also been fascinating. IHS, many would think of and know as really one of the foundational players in the exploration space, a content provider, but also providing software and of course, a lot of research. So the exposure that you get at a company like IHS and IHS market is amazing the breadth of knowledge and of course the subjects and topics we cover now all information and analytics based you know that go well beyond just pure upstream so it's been a it's been a pretty uh, pretty fascinating road and ride
2: yeah i mean color pencils to to computers <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's quite <laughs> the transition yeah. So what are some of the issues, I mean, and, and challenges you really had to face? I mean, there's obviously that that gap between, like I said, color pencils and, and computers.
0: Yeah. I mean, in that space alone, it, it's an amazing exercise in education and just in some respects, really communication at the base level, trying to, you know, what, what you would take for granted, having done the work and be sitting down with some very smart people, but coming from a completely different domain and and expertise in software engineering, let's say. And and it's great self-exercise because to actually describe what you did and what you think this this customer base does on a daily basis and try and communicate that and, and write that into, you know, bits and bytes, zeros and ones, particularly in the early stages where you know, just the, the software tools were a lot more basic and certainly the hardware was as well. You know, we think of the kind of displays we have now back in the day. That that was all pretty rudimentary. So that whole process of sort of communicating that workflow and, and sort of trans translating it to this new medium right. uh, of a computer was, was pretty fascinating. And you know, it didn't always work. Sometimes you gotta write and you will see some companies that just hit it and then hit it out of the ballpark and others you know struggled and a lot of it I think really came down to how you translated that that concept.
2: Right, right, yeah, absolutely understand it. So let's let's talk about your current role now as senior vice president and what IHS is doing.
0: Yeah, so as I, you know I just referred to IHS historically in the energy space has been a you know probably most people most customers would think of us first and foremost as a content data deliverer. So we have for decades scoured the globe for all kinds of different data sources. This is both structured data, you know, where a well is located, you know, the variables, you know, about that well, how how deep was it drilled? Did it produce oil? Did it not? Who drilled it? You know, and then all the other pieces that come with that land production. So that's what a lot of people think of, but really the upstream world at IHS Market is is quite rich because we have a whole software portfolio that sits on top of it, doing interpretational work, as I mentioned, seismic interpretation, engineering, things like that. And then there's quite a a large research organization as well that studies all kinds of different aspects of, of primarily the upstream business. From a research and insight standpoint, of course, that blends into consulting. So, you know, it's been great. It's been a real honor to oversee this space. It is very rich. You know, there's a lot of tools. Sometimes we can be speaking very transparently. So one of the challenges is almost having so much to offer and how to organize that and put that in front of a customer in the right way. And again, in in the period I've been here, it's also been quite interesting because I started, not quite in this role, but started with IHS at the beginning of the the second most recent downturn. <laughs> right. What's that?
2: I <laughs> said this, yeah, the second most recent. Yeah. No kidding.
0: So this was, yeah, towards the end of 14, right? So we have many now. Yeah. So, you know, th- this last, you know, six years or so has been obviously very challenging for the industry overall. We're used to a few ups and downs, but, you know, it's a little overused now, but we like to say it's pretty unprecedented, the amount of change that we've seen, not just from price drops, but of course, this whole energy transition concept where, you know, we look out 20, and, 20 or 30 years, which is certainly within a planning cycle of a large IOC, you know, how, you know, how your company, what your company is going to do in that time frame will likely be significantly different in terms of the product that you produce and how much of it. So that factor has been on top of, obviously, the pandemic, other price swings. So it's been a very dynamic time.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How is everybody doing within your group as far as the COVID thing goes? Everybody okay? Everybody healthy, happy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's nice of you to ask. I mean, there's certainly been you know, it's a large organization. There, there have been a couple of people who have, you know, contracted COVID. Fortunately, the best of my knowledge at this point, those that have, have had it in a real, relatively mild mild cases and pulled through fine. So that's, you know, generally pretty good. We, we're doing what everybody else has done and, and you know, everybody's staying pretty sheltered. And we're very cautious about putting people back together, of course. So, right. yeah, it's okay as, as much as you can say that.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, definitely. And I've encountered somebody alls business before when I've worked for an operator, and all the data sets. And uh, yeah, definitely a lot of data there. And y'all have to do a lot of the scrubbing, like during acquisitions from one company to another.
0: Sure, I mean, it, you bet. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> I've seen me. Uh, I've seen some
2: of those start. those clusters of data. Go ahead. I've seen some of those clusters of data that came from the original operator, and I'm just like, I hope somebody cleans this up.
0: Yeah, it's amazing because, as you know, I, I've been known to say, you know, the, the day begins and ends with data. So as important as it is, it's amazing just what kind of shape you can find it in. And I was going to make a reference for those Seinfeld fans out there. When they talk about the mail and 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 the reason that uh, mail people can be under stress, it's that it just keeps coming more and more every day. So <laughs> the character Newman, <laughs> you referred to why mailmen ma- are under so much stress. But so we've had a lot of data, obviously. We've had a lot of different formats. You know, back in the day, it would have been much more analog. There would have been file cabinets, mapping cabinets. And of course, it's become more digital, but there's just so much more of it now as well. And, you know, I referenced structured data, which I think we also were much more comfortable with working, but now you have the ability to go through all these unstructured documents and all the notes and, and all the text that was captured over decades is now available to be, you know, scanned and analyzed, which is great, but it's just that many more data sources and trying to normalize these data sources has been a never-ending goal within this industry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Especially a lot of people still, you know, using paper and Excel spreadsheets, you know, stuff like that. Yeah,
0: exactly. And there's still, you know, there's still around, we talk a lot about the digital transformation going on, but I mean, I guess it's career security because there is no end to the amount of those Excel spreadsheets still knocking around and things like that.
2: Well, I was going to say you worked at Exxon. You know all about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I, I remember, you know, stacking everything in a file cabinet, you know, my mapping cabinet at the end of the day. And then somebody had the great idea many years ago that, you know, we really should capture that because when... When explorationists leave the building for whatever reason, you know, it was one of the first attempts to start to barcode them and capture that that knowledge, which is a big part of it.
2: Yeah. So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be?
0: One piece of advice. Well, it really depends who, who, who how how varied our audience is. Oh,
2: well, it's it's pretty vast. I mean, it's everybody from people like you to people starting out in the industry and then middle management.
0: Yeah. So my overarching piece of advice, which is, which is pretty high level, is really that there is no end to the opportunity as long as we continue to innovate and people think creatively. So I say that because there have been so many ups and downs in the oil and gas industry. It's quite cyclical. But this phase we're in now is different than anything before. And again, a little bit around this energy transition concept that I don't think the industry's ever faced quite the social voice that that is questioning fossil fuels and also maybe the need because of clean tech and renewables and things like that there could be a tendency to get a little bit down or morose but I am never failed to be amazed by the resourcefulness of people in this industry and that you know with every corner you go around there's a new opportunity so my advice would just to remember that and to keep looking for that that next opportunity because there's always there's always something new to do in the space.
2: Well, not only that, we're not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: That's you know, right. Pe- people still need plastics and 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 everything that it takes, all the hydrocarbons that it takes to make all the things that we have.
0: Yeah, Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, I would just say on that, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but I think the the the, the age of plenty is is changing. So you talked about data and different data sources, and sometimes they could be in horrible shape. I mean, I do think that, you know, because of the times and the way they were, you could get away with a lot more of that, let's say. And so now, you know, an efficiency, cost efficiency is the, the, you know, the, the phrase of the day. It's just a slightly different environment. Not going tomorrow, plenty to do, but in a slight, with a slightly different mindset, I think.
2: Yeah, no, I agree absolutely. What book influenced you the most, and why?
0: Well, yeah, so you know, at a at a life level, I'd have to say The Hobbit because nice it had the biggest impact on me as a child, and it's still one of my favorite favorite reads in the the whole Tolkien all the Tolkien books. But you know, from a business standpoint, I think the Innovators Dilemma, the Clayton Christensen book, when that came out, was pretty impactful, and and I was you know, relatively early on in, in, you know, working for a software engineering company in the oil and gas space. And, you know, this concept that, that you know, you would write software and software was so malleable and you would, you know, you would have to eat your your own code at some point and just completely redo it. And these step changes and crossing that chasm just felt the impact of that book. It was so useful compared to, you know many business books to me it was one that you could apply from kind of a both a tech technology standpoint as well as a market standpoint in terms of where was your company and what were the, what was the next thing you were trying to build and you know you'll still hear that book reference. of course there's been you know follow-ons to it many times but i think that was probably one of the more impactful books i ever i ever read
2: great i'll have to definitely put that in the show notes so everybody else can check it out what would you say is your most used business tool considering
0: Yeah. Uh, Outside of, I guess, my most used business tool outside of email, which seems to be the the main thing. And I don't know, maybe that maybe that raises sort of more of this group, you know, work. uh, In in our case, you know, we're 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 an Office 365 company, and of course, you know, Corona and COVID has just you know had this huge impact, as it has on everybody. But you spend the day video conferencing and on Teams yeah on teams right and Zoom you use a lot of different things but I'm amazed you know we've had these collaborative tools over many years and they've always been in my view pretty horrible but now the tools have gotten better but this this idea of collaborating people will share a screen at a moment's notice so you're having that conversation and instead of somebody saying oh I'll send that to you they're just like, hey let me share my screen and show you exactly what I'm talking about you know I, I find that pretty impactful. And of course, it's just been, you know, hyper catalyzed by the fact that we're all, you know, sitting at home and, and spending all day on, on video conferences and collaboration tools like Teams.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Cause I remember being a little girl and going, Oh, I want one of those spy watches. And now I ha- as an adult, I have a, an Apple watch right? and now we're, we're all able to, you know, look at each other, share our screens, everything right in front of us.
0: Yeah. And yeah, you know, this is not to be a commercial, but, but at IHS market, we've had a web-based tool for some time called connect where it takes a lot of that research. And I don't mean just in upstream, but across midstream chemicals downstream. And it, and it goes well beyond that. Cause you know, we do transportation and we have lots of information about the auto industry and, and transport globally and financials. But what is amazing to me and again, today, it may not sound that crazy, but, you know, a few years ago, you could just walk around on your phone and get an alert and see the latest research, for example. And it was quite easy, even on a smartphone, to sort of scour that and see, see headlines. And again, I know when we say some of this, it's sort of like, well, you know, don't we read all our news that way. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that it would have been really difficult to think you were just sitting in an airport and you pull your phone out and you get the latest research report on something. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's it's crazy how far we've come.
0: Yeah, indeed. Yeah.
2: Who would you say is your most respected competitor?
0: Always a delicate question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is respect. Yeah. So, you know, our world, it's a little difficult. I'm not completely moonwalking away from your question page, but...
2: Well, you're kind of a big shop. So,
0: I mean... We are. So we have research and we have competitors there and we have, I guess, what might be considered fairly traditional, deeper interpretive software. And there's, there's a different set of competitors there. And then on the content space, there's, there's lots of different things. And, you know, just quickly, it's not really a full-on competitor. I don't know that it's, it's certainly not the most respected, but, you know, one of the things in the content space is that as technology improves, you're seeing more and more government entities, states, other entities globally, you know, be able to expose their data in a way that they really couldn't before. So, you know, just being very transparent again, that as a big content player is a competitive nature that's really driven by technology and the You know, the ability, it wasn't that long ago too, that a lot of those agencies really wouldn't have had the wherewithal to have exposed their data that way. So I think when you look at that, you know, broad spectrum, it's hard to pick out you know, anyone that competes in across the band the way we do, but, you know, certainly somebody like, certainly like a slumberjay for instance, which has been, you know, just a leading player in the upstream space for what seems, you know, forever. And, you know, they do a great job and it's, the company is full of, you know, amazingly bright people. We're doing a lot more partnering with them, which I think is sort of a sign of the times now. And again, we do things that they don't and vice versa. Right. But certainly I think Slammerger and, and they are, you know, working hard in these difficult times like everybody else. But you know, certainly a company that you would put up there is when you are competing with them, you're very aware of them.
2: Good answer. Good answer. What would you say is your most important lesson learned?
0: The most important lesson learned would probably be the value the value of preparation. Two things I say the, the the value of preparation and and this is going to tie into something i'm quite a fan of of some of these communication, how to put it studies you know it, it's a little bit like the myers Briggs, but we've all had to go through those. Some people embrace them, some people perhaps roll their eyes a little bit, but the value of understanding how you think and how you hear things and communicate and understanding. That not everybody does it the same way. So here's one that I quite like called the Enneagram, where there's nine different personality types, and then you can apply that personally, you can apply it to business, but that aspect of being able, you know, and so the the issue here is you run into people or maybe particular kinds of people, and you know, this, this person's frustrating to you, and, and you probably frustrate them. And you know, if you don't have a certain self-awareness about this concept of communication. You have a tendency, you know, for that, that in this case, a business relationship to fall apart because you become, you know, become frustrated dealing with that person instead of really sort of pulling back and understand the way that they sort of see the world and how they communicate. So it's a personal example. My tendency is to be very comfortable taking on a lot of different things, pretty comfortable taking things on real time to a degree. And then just as one example, you'll have a very structured personality and and communication type that really is excellent at putting one thing in front of the other. And if you're not kind of aware of that, either of those personalities could run into each other and very quickly frustrate the other. So very long-winded circle back to, and part of this, I know because as I've spent more time doing that and working with different groups and teams, and I've had a lot of fun with teams that I've managed having everybody do this and then really talking about it. For instance, from my, one of the things I've learned through that and over time is that great to sometimes be a multitasker and to take a lot of things on at once, but it can, you know, your, 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 your soft area can be sticking and planning with something, you know, for a long time leading into preparation and things like that. So I hope that made sense, but that's a, that's a little window into me, but I, I would say business communications and understanding how different people approach things and how they see it through their filter is probably one of the the most important things. And it certainly is to managing, I think, because you're managing a team of different personalities.
2: Right, right. Yeah. I've actually taken one of those and it was called an SOI. And I just tried looking it up. I have no idea what it means. But I remember taking one when I worked for Sandridge and it just and I'm I'm very self aware. But I get excited about these things because I feel like you get to learn more about yourself and your team and how to do that better, which is basically what you just said how to communicate together. It's like it's like yeah. learning their language
0: exactly, and you know for some of us when we were perhaps a little earlier on the maturity scale, we just think everything we were saying was so logical and clear and straightforward, and then you become. Well, why isn't this person getting that? Or why why don't they understand this is where we need to go? And in time you start to sort of understand that you also, each of us, has a particular, you know, communication style and and filter that isn't going to be the same for everybody else, right? So that's that right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So why do you think your role now is important to the future of the industry?
0: Well, I, I guess, you know, this will sound like the the maturing Executive sort of answer, but and I certainly have been around a lot of people over time that had a lot more experience and a lot more expertise but as I said earlier, you know Paige, I just think that this is really a dynamic time and really different than than some of the ups and downs we've had earlier, and having that balance, having seen a lot of of what's gone on in the past, you have to be careful you don't get caught in that but I certainly feel that sort of having that broad view, and in my case, you know, it's almost always been working with energy, almost always within upstream, but across a lot of the different swim lanes within that space, you know, I really feel like that balance and being able to say, okay, things are changing rapidly, but to bring that, that kind of perspective, you know, is, is really valuable without you know, just trying to put too much on, you know, my personal background. But I think, and especially as we've seen a lot of people leave the industry and we're seeing a lot of people that are experienced, particularly now, also leaving the industry. And we've talked about this before, you know, over the years through downturns, but it's just valuable when you can talk with people that have seen a lot of different aspects within oil and gas, you know, as, as the times change.
2: Yeah, that's very true. Very true. David, what's your favorite podcast?
0: Well, I in my day have been quite a fan of the How Things Work.
2: Oh, that's always good.
0: Yeah, and I also like the what is the statistical one that I'm going to I'm going to stumble on. Anyway, there's another one that I like that really just looks at the numbers, the analytics of numbers and, you know, in in business situations, but but kind of it was quite a famous book too, but I'm having a little mind blank there.
2: <laughs> it's only cuz I asked I <laughs> said it's only because I asked.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, right when we get off this, it'll it'll come to me like so many things do right after the fact. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, I love this, and and I'll be completely honest that it's it's only relatively recently that I have discovered this industry podcast, but I love it, and I've really enjoyed. I I did a session with a group of people on this podcast on OSDU and on that that standards effort great. Really well done. So, you know, as an oil and gas guy, I'm going to put, put you and in, in this podcast right at the top.
2: Awesome. Thank you, David. We have like eight or nine other ones as well. So I'll have to shoot you some links after we're done here. And of course, thank you again for joining me today. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about IHS Market, how can they go about doing that, David?
0: Well, you know, in a number of ways, certainly probably LinkedIn is a really good place to start. You'll find lots of information on the company and there's a lot there. So it depends what angle you're coming in. You'll certainly find me on LinkedIn and I'm pretty active in posting thoughts of the day and things that I run across in the industry and happy for people to reach out and link to me there. So that's probably the best place to start.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'll make sure to put that your LinkedIn in the show notes so everybody can reach out. And I'll also put the website so people can go out and see exactly everything you'll do.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Because and- <laughs> it's vast.
0: Yeah. Tell them not to drown when they do that. <laughs> it could be uh, what, what car is in your driveway or it could be where to drill the next great discovery. It, it's quite a wide range of, of information.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, like I said, thank you again. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Now here's Events on Deck.
1: Hey, everybody. Alex here with the Events on Deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. But we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of the Oil and Gas Industry Leaders
0: Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.